It's 19 straight regular season championships now for Green Bay women's basketball. Green Bay men's basketball senior laden team secures the three seed at Motor City Madness. Plus, we catch up with Green Bay Director of Athletics Mary Ellen Gillespie as she prepares for her own blend of madness on the NCAA Women's Basketball Committee. Coming up on this week's Flashcast. Well, just two weeks ago, it looked unlikely, but thanks to a Wright State loss to Detroit, the Green Bay Phoenix women's basketball team is once again Horizon League champions. Hello everyone, I'm Craig Sandlin and welcome to the inaugural Flashcast. About two weeks ago, the Green Bay Phoenix women's basketball team sat two games back in the standings of Wright State, but an 85-80 Wright State loss on February 20th at the hands of Detroit left the door open for the Green Bay Phoenix and Green Bay went to Wright State on the 24th, picked up a 58-51 victory over the Raiders, and the Phoenix clinched the regular season title when it went to Northern Kentucky and dominated from start to finish, jumping out to an 18-0 lead in the first quarter. It was an eventual 74-37 victory over the Norse that clinched the Horizon League championship for Green Bay. The Horizon League Player of the Year, Marin Crocker, talked about the last two weeks and the kind of roller coaster ride that Green Bay went through. Uh, well, you don't want to say emotional roller coaster, but that's kind of how it. Um, we thought of it as um, we didn't want to put the pressure on the streak, but when we thought we were out of the runnings for it, um, it did hurt us. So the fact that we got that opportunity or were given that opportunity and we didn't waste it, um, we're really happy about that. We're just excited to go and have an opportunity to win. Um, I think that we've put ourselves in a good place that we feel prepared for it. Um, we know these teams are coming out and this, they're playing their best basketball right now, but um, we're ready for it. The women will face the winner of Youngstown State and Valparaiso in their opening contest at Motor City Madness at 10.30 a.m. Central Time on Saturday, March 4th. On the men's side, Green Bay will be the three-seed at Motor City Madness. Last year, the Phoenix won the tournament as the four-seed and yet again has high expectations this year. The Phoenix are led on the floor by six seniors. Turner Botts from Little Shoe took a moment to reflect on his career on Thursday. I had a good career, I think. I mean, I was, uh, I mean, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And uh, I mean, I've won a lot of games. I've uh, been a part of a lot of good teams. Um, I think it's pretty special going back to the NCAA tournament run that we had last year. Hopefully, I have another one this year. But I mean, won a conference tournament, uh, won a regular season tournament my freshman year. Um, so I think I think it's been good. I've been able to play with a lot of good guys and uh, play for two great coaches that have helped me not even grow as a basketball player, but as a man. If Botts and the Phoenix are able to win two games in Detroit, he, Tevin Finley, and Kenneth Lowe will graduate with four 20-plus win seasons under their belt, a feat that's only been accomplished one other time in program history. The Phoenix did it under head coach Dave Buss from 1975 to 1979. Two wins this season would also mean a return to the championship game for the Phoenix, which would be the team's third straight Horizon League championship game. So as men's and women's basketball prepares for postseason play, Athletics Director Mary Ellen Gillespie enters her own postseason. And to fill us in, we welcome in Mary Ellen to the podcast now. Mary Ellen, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Craig. It's um, I'm excited to be part of the first Flashcast. Yeah, we just got done talking on the podcast about Motor City Madness, about men's and women's basketball heading that direction. Uh, but the end of the season also signals a busy time for you. Uh, you're in your second year on the NCAA Women's Basketball Committee. Talk about the t time commitment that that requires, not only during this postseason, as we know, but really all year long. 
It is. It, I think a lot of people think it's uh, the committee spends a couple of days in Indianapolis in a selection room, puts together the bracket, and then you're kind of done until uh, the next season begins. And it's actually a year-long process. It really starts in our summer meeting where we um, do a complete evaluation of the Final Four and the, and the women's tournament. Uh, we say goodbye to our outgoing committee members. In our fall meeting, we have our new committee members, and we start breaking down conference assignments. Who will have which conference as primary liaison, and then the game the game watches start in November. We have a couple of in-person meetings at NCAA convention. We do a selection orientation in February. Um, and then probably throughout the basketball season, there's probably an average of about 25 to 30 calls that committee members are on with regional coaches, conference offices and the committee itself so it, it, it is a year-long process yeah. and I know just from being in the office obviously and, and at games I've seen you on your iPad and in the office with your Apple TV watching games talk about how many games you're physically watching and you know all the time that goes into that too I probably watch I think if I look at the average I'm, I'm watching about 12 to 15 games a week um, a lot of that is I very rarely will watch a game live other than a Green Bay game that's home in the Crest Event Center but through Apple TV or iPad like I have the Big Ten Conference as one of my conferences and, and they have a great app and so I'm able to watch all women's basketball games in the Big Ten on, on the BTN to go app and um, you can fast forward if you're not watching it live. You can fast forward through commercials or timeouts and, and things like that. And so I, I usually get about four games in a day, very early in the morning and then late at night. And so, um, but our, our philosophy is for the good of the game, we want to get it right. And you do that by watching games, knowing players, knowing coaches, knowing good, good wins, bad losses, injury updates. That, that helps us put together a great bracket. Yeah, and ultimately to the public, putting together that bracket is really the primary assignment to this committee. Um, I know there's more to it, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, when you're putting together that field of 64, take us inside that room. What kind of tools do you have at your, at your disposal? What are the conversations that you're having? And obviously all those games that you've watched gives you information that maybe other committee members don't have. Right. I, I continue to be floored at the technology that is available through the NCAA, whether it be the RPI system and the strength of scheduling system, but also we rely a lot on regional conference calls, which is one coach for every single conference shares with us quarterly how they would rank teams. And so we use that intel. Um, but then there's just a lot of technology available through the NCAA. And so when we've had that available to us all season long, and so that has helped us with our three top 16 reveals throughout the season. Um, but when we get into the actual selection room, we actually come with our, um, we already know there's a couple of AQs selected by the time selection week starts, weekend starts. Um, and then we come with our at-large votes and then those teams under consideration. And we will enter them into a very, I have my own personal computer. I have my own computer that I bring with me to keep track of all the technology I have available. But then there is a specially password protected laptop in front of me issued by the NCAA that will record my votes um, about how I voted and then one, to get teams in, but then two, the seeding of the teams, which is also really, really important. 
So the technology alone, and you know, it's really funny. We actually have in our selection room, next door to our selection room, is what I call the technology folks from the NCAA, and they are there just to troubleshoot. So those guys are sitting in a room, and they're watching tournament games um, because we've got some TVs set up for them, but they are there to troubleshoot technology. Um, Sometimes they're busy, sometimes they're not. And then while we're in the selection room, we're also watching the remaining conference tournaments that are still going on. And sometimes our discussions have to come to a halt to watch the outcome of a couple of games. Uh, that happened to us last year in the Florida Gulf Coast Atlantic Sun championship game. Everything was on hold until that tournament was over and, quite honestly, until the Horizon League tournament was over. Yeah, and I, I would imagine that having all those TVs on a wall maybe even adds a little bit to the pressure a little bit as you're seeing these teams compete and really you can't finish that bracket until those games are done. That's correct. Yeah. And so when you are finished and those 64 teams are on their lines and they're seated as you all decide appropriately, what's that feeling like knowing that that 64 team bracket is done and that, okay, now it's time to focus on next year? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's pretty quick. You're you're. I think there is a feeling of incredible satisfaction, but there's an a, there's a feeling of excitement for the 64 teams that are going to know later on that night that they're in, and I think we're excited for them. Um, there's also a feeling of. I mean, we're exhausted. It is really. It is mentally draining. It is long days. It is very little fresh air. Um, you know, that, that room looks pretty tiny by the time we leave it on, on Selection Monday. Um, but it's also a, a sense of pride and accomplishment. And then that really can't last very long because I'll get back to Green Bay Monday night and I, depending upon which of the 16 sites I get assigned to, I'm either leaving Tuesday night or Wednesday morning for first and second rounds. And so I've got to get back. I, I hope to make it back for um you know, to meet with staff before I hit the road again. So, um, you know, I got to pack, I got to do laundry, I got to pay my bills, I got to, you know, touch up on some work in the office before I hit the road. And just a quick Green Bay specific question. I know we've talked about it, but you don't get to be in the room when the other committee members are discussing Green Bay. And so there may be this conception out there that you get to fight for your team but in reality, you don't really get a whole lot of an opportunity to do that, right? I do not get to do that selection weekend. I On conference calls, we can talk about, hey, what was up with that game? Or so-and-so is looking really good. And I can chime in there. But when it comes time to selection weekend, any time that Green Bay is on the board and comes up for discussion, I have to leave the room. And, and any time anyone on the committee who represents a conference office, you know, we, we have people, we've had people before from the Pac-12 office last year they were out of the room an awful lot because the Pac-12 had, a, you know, a huge number of teams in there. So, um, you know, it, it comes down, they want the most, um, you know, most credible and most unbiased voices in the room. Yeah, and, I, you know, I remember last year you had a chance to get back for the watch party here for Selection uh, Show on Monday night. How hard is it for you knowing what the outcome is going to be watching the coaches, the fans, and the players – sit there and wait to see their name on the board. Obviously, in that situation, they know their name's going to be on the board, but, you know, in a situation where maybe they don't win the tournament and they're sitting there hoping they're in, 
you may know already but can't say anything. Right. It, it, it's hard. Uh, but I also think um, it, it, it's even extra special if you get there as, as an at-large bid because it speaks to the caliber of your team and your coaching staff. Um, but, but for me, it's all about that instant you hear your name and, and the reaction. And I never, ever want to take that away from, from a team or, or a group of student athletes or our fans. Yeah. And so moving into this selection uh, this year, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that UConn's probably going to be the number one overall seed. Their winning streak, I think, is 105, 106 games at this point, whatever that number is. But there's some out there that will say that that's not good for the game and it lacks parity in that there's no reason to tune in anymore because they just know UConn's going to roll. You know, they're beating ranked teams by 30. Um but at the same point, it brings attention. And so what's your opinion on UConn and just dynasties in general? I think it's an amazing dynasty. And all the credit in the world to Coach Oriema and his coaching staff and, and the fantastic women that come through the UConn program, I think it's fantastic for the game of women's basketball because we're talking about women's basketball. It's had, you know, from Good Morning America to ESPN to CNN. I mean, it is all over. And, and so people are talking about the great sport of women's basketball. And when people say there's no parity in women's basketball, I, you know, I look at, um, you know, Green Bay falling short to Notre Dame um, by four points. I look at Maryland falling short to UConn by six points. I look at um, you know some of the big upsets. I look at a Quinnipiac from the um, from the Northeast region playing Oregon State and really making it a great great game. And Oregon State is sitting in the top 16 right now. And so and, and I think there's some movement among that group. But I also look at um, in Ohio State who beats Maryland, who is ranked number two in the country at the time. So I do think there's real parity in women's basketball or it's getting better and uh you Tulane just lost to UConn by three points uh not so long ago so it it really is um our sport is getting better it's more elevated the talent is better um it's become a more physical game and I think the skills um that we're seeing on the court are are just fantastic and so I I think UConn's 100 plus game streak is is an incredible feat and certainly deserves to be celebrated and i think it's great for the sport and, and it's the publicity is great and i'll bring it back to green bay a little bit last week i think kansas clinched their 13th straight big 12 regular season title and while they were talking about that green bay women's basketball is up on the screen being mentioned in the same breath and so you look at a kansas with the amount of history that they have and the amount of success that they've had and then they're right next to them is Green Bay women's basketball with 10 straight Horizon League championships, but 19 straight now regular season conference championships dating back to pre-Horizon League. Mm-hmm. And so definitely a, a positive thing for the university and for uh, the game of women's basketball in general to be mentioned in the same breath as Kansas men's basketball. So as we as we look at your role in the committee, obviously publicizing and growing the game of women's basketball is, is another piece of that committee that maybe some fans don't know about. And so talk about your role as, as a committee member to grow the game of women's basketball. How do you do it? What are the expectations? You know, are there long-term goals for the game that you know, fans should be aware of? 
Right. There, you know, there's a couple of things. As the committee, we spend a, a good deal of time with ESPN, and ESPN is the flagship for NCAA women's basketball. They um, they do the selection show. They also uh, broadcast the women's tournament in its entirety. And so we really talk with ESPN about using their talents and their knowledge and their assets about elevating the sport of women's basketball. And that and that's why you'll see. Um, the big reveal, the top, the top 16 reveal actually came out of an ESPN request in an effort to elevate and get people to start talking about women's basketball much earlier in the season. Last year it was the top 10. This year they said, could we push you to go to the top 16 and we'll reveal them on three big Mondays. And those three big Mondays ended up being fantastic women's basketball games. And then, um, you know, Carol Stiff and the staff and women's basketball at ESPN, they gave that information to, to Jay Billis. And so Jay Billis, when he's talking about the men starting their reveal, what does he say? Why do the men always have to come in after the women? The women have been doing this for two years. They're getting it right. Women's basketball has figured it out. And so when we can get um, accolades like that, you know, there's that piece. And also the NCAA has been looking at is the format of the tournament, is the timing of the tournament right for the fans? And so we've done a survey to all the conference offices and you know, the, the top three priorities are student-athlete experience, broadcast in order to elevate the game, and the fan experience. And, and so we, we listen. We've heard very loudly and clearly. It's one of the reasons why the Final Four is played on a Friday and Sunday now, because we just think fans can get there on weekends um, instead of a Sunday and a Tuesday. Um, so in order to accommodate fans and then also to get women back into class. Um, you know, as soon as possible after the tournament. So, um, you know, we do take seriously elevating the game, but the fan experience and how do we just make it a widely more broadcasted. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. Looking forward to Selection Monday and figuring out if Green Bay is lucky enough to participate. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That will do it for the inaugural Flashcast. I want to thank Mary Ellen Gillespie for joining us. I hope you'll continue to listen each week. As we move forward, we will take a look deeper inside Green Bay Athletics. Until next time, I'm Craig Sandlin, and you've been listening to Flashcast, part of the UW-Green Bay Podcast Network.